Welcome to Takeaways, Life Lessons Learned. I'm your host, Hayam Mizrahi, recording from MDL Group. Recognized market leaders in commercial real estate brokerage and property management in Las Vegas, Nevada. Join me as I explore my takeaways from the people who have influenced me the most. Let's get started. We are on site at the NAOP October Breakfast. NAOP, again, is the Association of the Commercial Real Estate Development Community, my co-host, as usual. Back from D.C., Sean Donosky. Sean is the CEO of D.C. Building Group, one of the most active commercial contracting firms in Las Vegas. So Sean and I are going to share our takeaways from this morning's program. Before we jump in, I mentioned you just got back from Washington, D.C., you were there for a national NAOP conference. Tell us about it. Who was there? What'd you do? Wow, that was a, it was a great conference. It was in Washington, D.C. We were there from Sunday until yesterday. So we flew home last night, got, got home kind of late. So still kind of uh, waking up this morning. It was a CRE Converge NAOP national conference. So who from Vegas was there? There was... I'm sure there's a lot, so you'll probably miss a few. We had about... Nine of us. There was myself, Mike Showit, Sabrina Borgoff, David Strickland, Cassie was there. She won an amazing DLI National Leader Award. How cool is that? I think there were probably six people nationally that won that award, and she was one of them. From little old Las Vegas, Nevada. Oh, and it's it's, it's so well deserved. She is she's such an advocate and such a, put so much hard work into this chapter. Yeah, she's a longtime friend, a longtime colleague, and she absolutely deserves that. Uh, you just taught me something that of all the NAOP chapters, there's probably about 55. Uh, where does Vegas rank as far as size? Uh, the statistics that were shown at the conference, which I think we've grown a little bit since then, shows us at number 14 in the nation. We're a chapter of roughly 520, and that puts us in the top, uh, the top group of the national chapters. I, I always get fascinated by that. Little city out west, 2.2 million population. You know, we, we're at top of all these charts. Uh, CCIM locally, I could tell you, is a, an award-winning President's Cup year after year winning chapter. The SIOR chapter gets accolades nationally because of how close the professionals are. And, of course, NAOP, uh, Class Act, does a great job. I love that about our real estate community. Well, if you look at some of the cities that we – when they – when we sit down for discussion, they broke us up by chapter size. So we sat in the large chapter group, and there's chapters from Massachusetts, Southern California, North Virginia, Arizona, very big metropolitan areas. So it puts us in a good echelon of conversation to talk about what's going on economically. So the chapter leadership goes there. You bring back best practices for the chapter. You also talked to me about you learned some uh, developments size of developments, categories of developments that are happening in other cities that you feel like we could bring here too? I think there, yes, there's a something to be said for cities that have been doing development much longer than we have. There is technologies, there's ideas, there's strategies that they're using that we have yet to implement. And if we simply look at, we'll take Prologis. Prologis doing a two-story, three-story tilt-up distribution building. Well, we haven't done those here yet, but there's 
two others in the country that are under construction or near completion. And to take those ideas, how do we implement those here? We talk about needing more land in Las Vegas. Well, those other cities are dealing with land restrictions, so what are they doing? And how can we take those ideas? So last month at the NAOP breakfast, we had a great panelist. Uh, Dan Doherty was a moderator. Adam Malin talked about retail. Dan Palmieri talked about office. And Jim Stewart was there talking both as a, as a former broker and also as a developer and on the industrial side, Matter Real Estate, building 1.5 million square feet of industrial here in this market. And he vowed, he vowed that he would do another mixed-use office development that was highly amenitized. And there's rumors out there that he's got some some uh, land tied up and that he's going to bring that kind of a thing to our market. So it's pretty cool to see that you know, we go outbound, we learn things and we bring them here and it changes the panorama of our community. Another thing you talked about, um, some trends. Talk a little bit about one or two that really stood out for you. Well, uh, some of the perspective was to pay attention to trends. Okay. Pay attention to where things are going. And some things are very speculative on where they're going, but things that we know that are going to increase, and let's break it down to a very simple analogy. We had 3G on our cell phones. Now we have 4G. Going to have 5G, and we're going to have 6, 7, 8G, very, very likely. So what trends are out there in our development, real estate, construction industries that we know are going to happen, and how do we prepare for them? I got a prediction. Automated zoning and codes. Yeah, I don't know. Automated permitting process. Go with it, Sean. Hey, I would go with it, absolutely, because we need to expedite those processes. All right, so let's get into today's program. Uh, NAOP brought in political commentator John Ralston. He's a journalist extraordinaire. He's been covering politics in Nevada for, I think he said, 30-some-odd years. Today, he's the editor of the Nevada Independent, which if he didn't talk enough about it up on the stage, we're going to talk a little bit more about it now. The title of today's program was Election 2018 and Issues Affecting Commercial Real Estate. The sponsor we have to mention, the sponsor this morning is SH Architecture. Kirk Carlson was up there giving us a great uh, synopsis about the company. I had the pleasure of working with Kurt on the GLVAR building, the Greater Las Vegas Association of Realtors, new facility that they just had a ground opening for. He's great. He's a class act. Well, they're such a great supporter of NAOP, and they've been around so long I think it's easy to forget how diverse they are. Yeah. So he shared some of their diversity, which I thought was a refresher for most of the audience. And the audience today was about 220. Breaking records. Another thing they opened with uh, right before John, I have to mention, uh, the Lead Institute of Real Estate Studies at UNLV has had a partnership with NAOP for a long time. And this year, President Mike Mixer, president of NAOP, made it a point, I think it was one of his three major initiatives to really uh, reinforce that relationship and develop it. And the, the greatest thing uh, that's happening right now at LEAD, not right now, but one of one of the really refreshing and energizing things is the, the director of the LEAD Institute, Dr. Vivek Saab. Man, he's got some energy. Well, he was actually at the uh, conference as well. So and he's not just you know, energetic doing things here. He's committed and flying going to other, other conferences too. He was there. He has a desire to make sure he gets his students to the conferences, figure out a sponsorship so the students can be exposed to the such the big picture that is at these conferences. And there are about six students here today from UNLV that were our scholarship recipients, and they got to come and talk about that and, and sit in on, on this kind of a thing. And it's a great thing for a college student, I'm a, I'm a UNLV grad, to have this kind of exposure at that time in their life. Well, and 
I as well, I'm a UNLV grad, so is my wife. So it's great to see students developing out of that university in all different disciplines of education. Go Rebels. So the Nevada Independent. Man, John laid it on thick, but that's his job, and they're doing a great job. So John Ralston started a, a news organization, I guess you want to call it. It's a website, thenevadaindependent.com. And they provide reporting on political issues that is nonpartisan. Uh, what did he say about the, he had a line about the truth. The truth is the best defense, whether, whether it's good or not. So we, we brought in John Ralston as NAOP because early voting starts uh, October 20th, goes through November 2nd. And if anybody can lay out what is happening with, with races, with ballot questions, and tell it to us straight, it's John Ralston. So we felt like that would be a valuable uh, speaker to have, timely, for our members. Well, and him being here, I think a shout out to the NevadaIndependent.com is very important that it is a nonprofit and that he does rely on donations. As part of his speaking engagement here, NAOP did make a donation to the Nevada Independent. I believe he said it cost him, it's about a $1.5 million a year budget to run the, uh, the organization, and he simply asks for $5 a month donations to keep it going. So I subscribe, but there's a daily email that comes out, and I read it. I, if I can't read the whole thing, I definitely skim through the headlines, and I stay informed. And you inspired me when I go back to the office. I will click the button at the bottom of the page and make a donation because now I feel guilty about it. It's like listening to NPR, not, not making a donation to them. Well, I think there's so, many, so much political perspective out there that is so far right and so far left that he goes right down the middle and gives the highs and the lows on both sides. And that was really the, you know, we can get into the nuance of all of the ballot questions and all of the races. We can't do it as good as him. But really my big takeaway today is that, and I've heard it in other avenues before, is that the country's polarized right and left. And the people that are involved are the people that are on the far right and the far left. And most in the middle, just check out. I'm sick of this. I don't want to hear it. I don't agree with this. I don't agree with that. It's polarizing. It's disgusting. It's whatever term you want to use, folks just check out. And he talked about how that affects all of these elections that are about to happen here. Yeah, he mentioned people are not investigating who they believe is their best candidate. They're simply saying, all right, I'm red and I'm blue and I'm voting down the ballot. Yeah, so the format today was interesting. While he was a speaker, he gave us a quick intro, but then he turned it right over to Dan Tutlin, who's on the NAOP Programs Committee, who walked around the audience with a microphone and basically just took questions from the audience. I counted all in all. There were 15, 14 questions, uh, some really smart questions. Some totally blew me out of the water as to how astute they were and from who they came from. And the first question came from Mike Majewski, and it was exactly that. It was in, you know, in partisan politics, is it time to scrap the Constitution, which John fielded, I thought, brilliantly about everything we just said about why you know, things are polarized and how when you have people on the far right and the far left, uh, you come up with these extreme and radical solutions. And maybe that isn't the solution, although it is a reality and it is disturbing. The extreme far right and far left is part of what's creating the divide in general social environments such as here. It is, it's made people afraid to discuss the politics. He, he said something, a takeaway, is that social media is not the cause of this, but it certainly has amplified it. It's he, accelerated the speed of the communication. Yeah, and, and it made it so it's, I'm right, you're wrong, or even worse, I'm good, you're evil. 
he talked about a solution and it needs to come from the elected officials. I kind of disagree with that and it could be because I'm naive and he's not. I believe that if there is a solution for this, and David Saltman asked a question later on about moving to the middle and away from tribalism for the political elected officials. I believe if there is a solution, it's going to come from the voting public by casting a vote, telling the people on the far right and the far left, we're sick of this. I agree. I think it's people becoming educated on who really stands for their, for their same beliefs, not specifically what party they're in. Perfect segue into people specifically in Nevada being able to weigh in on their beliefs. Uh, he talked about there were three major things to watch. The, uh, you know, the second question that was asked was about question three. I believe it was from Sally Dobler, longtime NAOP dedicated member and past president, I think twice over and now at the chamber. But Sally talked about question three and asked John to elaborate on that. Question three being the Energy Choice Initiative. Yes, which is, I'm still unpacking it for myself. From what I understand, it's the ability to not buy power from NV Energy and get it from alternative sources, which means alternative sources would have to be created. So Warren Buffett, billionaire number one on one side of the issue, and Sheldon Adelson, I don't want to say billionaire number two. I shouldn't rank them as one and number two, but Warren Buffett has spent much more money on this than Sheldon Adelson. And the total spend on this was? John said it is about $100 million which, on this item alone. Yeah, this item. Uh, there are other questions on the ballot that he talked about them in terms of how much money was spent. He didn't really talk much about what is the question, what's the argument for or against, which is, you know, on the one hand, it's a little bit of him, I dare to say, being a little hypocritical because he talked about how the facts are getting distorted in issues. And when I'm reading this stuff, the articles that are coming to the top of the pile is, for Nevada, how much money is being spent on question three? On question, uh, no, sorry, question one, $7 million, victim rights. Question five, the motor voter ballot, $6 million. That was really what was being focused on. Well, I think he dives into the details on his website in his email blast. So all of the data and the detail of what he's researched is there. So Fair what, enough. what we got today was what's not in ink. You're right. I'm, I'm reflecting back. He pointed everybody first and after he talked about this, he pointed everyone to the NevadaIndependent.com because his staff has made explainer videos on each of the questions and what they are. You're, good point. But here he I did, take it back, John. You're not a hypocrite. He did give us his opinions on what he thought would, would win or pass. That's so he, true. He did he give did. us that, and I don't believe that. How does he do that so effortlessly? I mean, anyone asks, and it, they, they ask with these leading questions that, are, that make it such, so complicated, and he just goes to, no, that's going to win, or no, that's going to lose. Yeah, and with question three, he says, if it fails, it'll likely come yeah. back again. That was another takeaway, is that the forces at play in, in the political arena are so vast. They're so uh, broad. You, I don't even know, because I'm not as plugged in, obviously, as someone like him. But when he talks about it, you just take a, a look back, and it almost gives me cause to just say, you know what, all these arguments that are happening on social media, I don't have a clue. So I'm not going to comment on what I think. And if I am going to comment, at least I'm gonna, I should go do the research first and develop an opinion, not just what I'm feeling. Well, if we roll this back to an organization like NAOP and the Government Affairs Committee, and then we go to National NAOP and their government affairs efforts, 
there are experts in in those organizations to help understand some of these legislative issues to fight for what's best for our industry. So everybody doesn't have to be an expert. I like what you did there, Sean. Way to bring it back to NAOP. Uh, there were a couple other things that he talked about that I, I think we should just cover at a high level and point people to if they're interested to go do some research and find out more about one of them. It's comical, but not comical. Question from the audience. What happens if a dead person wins? And this is based on Dennis Hoff, brothel owner. Uh, he was on HBO or Showtime. He was on the ballot and he passed away a couple days ago. And there is no way to get his name off the ballot. No. And he may still win. He may still win. John actually expects him to be... He expected him to win. And he talked about what happens if he does win. And I didn't follow the whole thing, but at the very end, it, got, it goes down to a, a straw... What did he say? A straw poll vote? He or call, something that he, he likened to... A drawing lot. A drawing lot back to the 1800s. So we're sitting in the uh, old saloon, <laughs> and we're having a drawing. So all of this great, wonderful technology that we have... I get that there's no way to take somebody's name off of a printed ballot that will be ma- that is meant to be mailed because of the timing, but can't you take him off the the ballot ballot so voters can't go and push the button? I guess we can't. Um, another one, uh, he he said this I don't know half a dozen times or more, and he said it prefacing with it's the typical cliche voter turnout will either this is going to pass because voter turnout is high or this or or low this is going to fail because voter turnout is low on the republican and democrat side that was another overarching theme each candidate he spoke about he tied it right back to voter turnout so there's a question about the attorney general race uh the candidate for it as a criminal record and what does that say about uh the election process that the attorney general the highest uh legal authority should be able to run with a criminal record, and he had some pretty good comments on that. Yeah, I thought he tied it back well to how much mud is being dug up and how unnecessary it is and and how the candidates should stand on their merit today. Uh, Dan Tutlin asked from the audience uh, sort of a three-part question, or maybe he just kind of threw some things out there uh, and asked John to, to riff on them. And what we got back from John is there were three things to really watch here. The governor's race... The Senate race and question three, he said that the governor's race and question three by far will be the most long lasting of this election cycle. And he gave us some nice nuggets on on each of those. Well, he talked about the governor's race and that Bundy is running as an independent. Yes. Did I hear that correct? Yep. And, and he may pull four to six percent of the votes away from one of the other two candidates. And that alone could swing the election. Yeah, so the, the candidates are Steve Sisolak, county commissioner from Las Vegas, Adam Laxalt from up north, I believe. And what's his first name? His last name is Bundy, obviously. I think it was John. John? I think so. All right, well, we have a lot to learn here. We should go read the Nevada Independent. <laughs> um, well, he also talked about in the governor's race, both candidates appear to be ignoring the real issues, and there is there not going to yeah. be a government... A debate. De- a debate. Yeah. Which is typically been the case for the last several elections. And he said, I don't want to talk about who's right, who's wrong in that, or how that happened. How much blame is should be shouldered by us, the voting public, to not demand that there is a debate. He talked about politically, and he didn't say right or wrong. He just said, here's what he's observing. 
Steve Sisolak is being vague. Actually, he did say, uh, right, not rightfully so, but understandably so, he's being vague on issues because he doesn't want to attach himself to anything to risk being attacked by the other side. And Adam Laxalt, his observation was he's saying things that he may not be able to, to deliver on. And what a great thing would it be to have not just one, but maybe two or three debates to let him hash it out. I think it would be healthy in the election process. I agree, but you're not getting your way, and I'm not getting my way, and apparently John's not getting his way. <laughs> and those were not our opinions. Yep. Another question. This is always funny. It's uh, the title. The subtitle was uh, Issues Affecting Commercial Real Estate. One question came from Commercial Real Estate. How any of these races affect the development community? Uh, one was specifically to the county commission race between Tisha Black and Judge Justin Jones. And Justin Jones is favored because it's a heavy Democratic That's uh, right. He peeled that back. District. Um, but Tisha is running a very effective campaign. So he was, he said Justin should win it, but doesn't believe that Nat will necessarily fall that way. Does Nayop have a position on this one? Nayop does not endorse candidates. Good to know. David Saltman, my buddy. Uh, I talked a little bit about his question. This was kind of towards the end, and he phrased it as, is there any hope that people being the uh, political candidates are moving more toward the middle and away from, he used the term, tribalism, tribalism being that of the Republican and Democratic Party? Uh, John opened with something that was interesting about what tribalism actually shows is that there's uh, an all-or-nothing proposition. I'm either all in or I'm all out. I'm all in for Trump. Or I'm all out. I'm all in for Bernie Sanders or I'm all out. And I use those two specifically because those are the easy ones to point to. You either love them and you show up to the rally on both sides or you don't. You check out and they're awful. Uh, and then he went into, he talked about who the most popular elected official in, in Nevada. Governor Brian Sandoval. Why? He didn't put a period on why. I mean, it was, he was alluding well, he to why. he talked about that he's done things his party agrees with, and he's done things his party doesn't agree with. He's stood for, in Ralston's perspective, Sandoval has stood for what Sandoval believes in. And, and that's the kind of leadership we need at the very, very top. Uh, according to Ralston, he says there's very few of those candidates out there. I want to point out, uh, Mike Wilmore with Colliers International. I don't know how old Mike is. I'm guessing he's in his 20s and early 20s. He asked a question that ter certainly turned my head. Uh, it was so astute. I don't know all the nuance and details of it, but he asked, well, John clearly did because he jumped right on it and answered it. But Mike asked, if the Democrats keep winning uh, more races, Will we see more unconventional races won? And he implied with the use of social media. And then John talked about a, an election back east, about um, it was a primary that somebody won, a no-name. The question was about, are we going to see more of this? You know, John answered the question, and again, I don't know all the, the nuance to really replay it back here, but kudos to Mike. Kudos to him for being aware, for being engaged, for and, and for having the courage, frankly, in a room of 200-some-odd people to ask that question. Well, I think it was a, it was a healthy question, and it, re, it gave John an opportunity to give some feedback to the membership. So another question on the other side of that, uh, Joe Brown asked about what, he's, what he called increasing violence in, uh, in campaigning, and he talked about throwing of a chair 
Uh, someone, a uh, press secretary being thrown out of a restaurant. Laxalt's manager was assaulted. And Joe said he was actually at yeah, he was an, e- an event that he was witness to some of the violence. Yeah, so it's kind of a, a gloomy answer from John. Now, he didn't feel like this was going to subside at all. And if anything, it would increase. Uh, his prediction was to increase until the polarization gets reduced. And specifically for the leaders of each party not to use this as political fodder or leverage and to stand up and say, stop. On either side, this behavior is not okay and it's not appropriate. And the gloomy part was we're not seeing that. He said it has to start at the top. It has to start at the top to diffuse the emotions, diffuse the opinions, and create unity. So we covered a lot. There were a few more. Uh, I'm not going to jump into I don't know if there's any other takeaways that you shared. Uh, I'm not going to jump into it because they were really good questions, really complex answers, and we wouldn't do it justice here. But uh, I think that's the value of being here is we're going to recap in 10 minutes, 45 minutes of conversation of Q&A. We can't possibly download everything. So come to NAOP. That's the message. Absolutely. Get involved. Uh, go to the NevadaIndependent.com. Watch their explainer videos. Read their articles. Get educated. Early voting is starting here pretty soon, October 20th uh, through November 2nd, and then the election is November 6th. And there's three national conferences coming up, one in February, one in May, and one in October. These are NAOP national conferences? They are NAOP national conferences. Who can, who can go to these things? Any NAOP member. Fabulous. So maybe we'll we'll see some of you guys out there. Maybe you'll see me there. I think you'll be there next year. Sean Donoski, thanks for being here. Thanks for doing this. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Leave us a comment and a review on what you thought about this episode, and tune in next time. Thank you for listening. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Takeaways podcast is about sharing and paying it forward. If you like this show, please make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast and leave us a review. It really goes a long way. And if you really like this show, please share takeaways with a friend. Thank you and tune in next time.